Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in this series uh, about the power of perfect love. I'm telling you, if you will get the message that I'm conveying in this series and apply it to everything you know about God, it's going to change everything. It is going to change your whole walk with God. It's going to change the power of God you experience in your life. It's going to change the fruit that is growing and is being brought forth in your life is going to change your influence on people. Uh, this is this is one of those universal truths that applies to every single thing we know and we believe about God. So today we're talking about the goal of God's love. Now, if it weren't for the fact that we just make the title too long, I would have called it the goal of God's perfect love. So what do you think the goal of God's love is? Think about it for a few minutes. I'm, I'm not going to say right off the bat, but I want you to think. What do you think is the goal of God's love in your life? And, you know, this will help you if you answer this question. And I know you may be sitting there saying, man, this feels like kind of a trick question. Well, it's not a trick question, but it's a question to help you see if you have been influenced by religion uh, in some areas that maybe you didn't know that you were being influenced. Well, let me ask you something. Why? You know, the Bible talks about a lot about God being glorified. And uh, man, I mean, I, we, I could do a series that would last a month for two or three months about glorifying God. Just, just that subject alone is a, another one of those subjects that religion has so perverted and so twisted. You know, uh, who was the famous scientist? Oh, uh, uh, Hawking. You know, Hawking, I believe it was, made the statement that based on reading the Bible, as far as he was concerned, God was a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic being. And you know something? The way most people read the Bible, uh, there's no wonder that they come to that kind of conclusion. And what's worse, if you listen to many preachers talk about worship and, and you know, what worship's all about, uh, you could really very easily reach the conclusion that God's got codependent issues. He, he needs for people to think he's wonderful. He needs for people to think he's great. And so it, it's that kind of mindset that plays a role in really why the world despises God so incredibly deeply. So you might ask the question then, why does God need to be glorified? What, you, know, you know, what's the point? Why does he need to be glorified? Why does he pe need people saying good things about him? Uh, you know, when usually when we want people to say good things about us, it's about our ego, it's about our self-worth, it's about uh, the places where we feel inadequate. We want other people to make us feel good about ourselves. I got news for you. God doesn't need for us to feel good about ourselves. Uh, more than once in the Old Testament, God rebuked the Old Testament worshipers for bringing their sacrifices to him. He said, I don't need your sacrifices. I don't want your sacrifices. You say, well, sure he did. He, he told them to bring the sacrifices. Well, he did, but people brought the sacrifices to God 
for the wrong reasons. They brought the sacrifices to God as if the sacrifices uh, were for God's benefit. And God made it clear, I don't really need your sacrifice. I don't really need anything you got. So wh what was he saying? He was saying, everything that I'm getting you to do, I'm getting you to do this for your benefit. You know, I was just thinking today, I was talking to somebody, I was talking about the whole concept, just one statement that Jesus made. I'm telling you, if we read this statement, we, it revolutionized so many things in our life. Uh, but Jesus made the statement uh, when, man, the religious people got upset because he healed on the Sabbath, and they, and they were attacking him, saying, you know, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, he said, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Now, whoa, hit the brakes right there for a minute. Think about what that is saying, because because in reality, God is, and, and since God tells the truth, and remember, the thing about truth is, if truth is absolute, if truth is truth in one situation, it's truth in every situation. The microcosm, the macrocosm, truth is truth is truth is truth. And there is no inconsistency or chaos in the truth. And so, so you start realizing, you could say that this way, since the Sabbath was part of the law, uh, you could say this, the law, or excuse me, man was not made for the law. The law was made for man. So suddenly, all of these people who are bashing the law and the commandments, I go, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm the one that's confused. Maybe maybe God really isn't confused. Maybe I'm the one that's confused. And maybe uh, maybe me attacking the law and criticizing the law, maybe I'm misunderstanding. Because evidently, then, God gave the law, and the Sabbath was part of the law. He gave the law for the benefit of mankind. And so suddenly, well, well wait a minute. Maybe I need to understand how it can benefit me instead of criticizing it. Instead of twisting it in something that the Bible into something negative that the Bible never said or never even really implied, uh, I might say, "Well, wait a minute. So how how is it supposed to serve me? How is it supposed to bring benefit for my life?" As a matter of fact, you start realizing that the motive that everything God did was love. Now, there's a, there's a difference between intention and motive. You know, and we talked about this that truth always starts where you conceive something in your heart with an intention. Well, God's intention, and, and I'm not going to recap all of this. I've already talked about this before. We'll talk about some more in this series and probably other series. But the intention of, uh, of truth is all, it always starts with, well, this thing that I'm calling truth, will it harmonize man with God? If it doesn't harmonize man with God, doesn't make man fall in love with God, if it doesn't, if it doesn't bring, you know, uh, God and man together as one, then then it's not true. It might sound like the truth. It might seem like the truth. Uh, some denominations or preachers or groups may call it the truth, but it's not the truth. But secondly, the truth will always establish heaven on earth. And this is so incredibly important. So in other words, the truth is going to unite man with God and God with man. And out of that uniting, a man, you know, when I say man, I'm not talking about the gender, I'm talking about the human race. So man then is going to uh, experience heaven on earth. In other words, truth is always going to be for the benefit 
of the human being uh, by what it does to their relationship with God. That, that That's it. And so, so you start realizing that if that is the fact, and it is the fact, then, then anything God has ever said has been for our benefit. And if we turn it into something negative, if we turn it into something that's a burden or an obligation, then it's no longer for our benefit, which means we might be talking about something that's in the Bible, but we don't see the truth about what's in the Bible. So when you look at this thing about God desiring to be glorified, you know, I, got, I have to kind of ask the question, okay, so how is that going to uh, make me become one with God? And number two, how is that going to establish heaven on earth? That has to be the starting place. That, that is the intention of all truth. And if you don't start there, it's not truth. It doesn't matter if you're quoting the scripture or not, it's not truth. It may be true because it's in the Bible, but it's not truth uh, until it harmonizes with God's intentions. But now, motive and intention are not the same thing. God has a motive in everything that he does, and the motive is love. God is love. And so God does what he does, uh, and the agape of God, which, which is agape is the word, the Greek word for love that describes God's love more than any other single original language word in the entire Bible. And agape, more than anything, has to do with having a high value for something, to consider it precious, and to hold in high regard. So God is, everything that he's going to do, he is going to do it in a way that always reflects the high regard that he uh, has for his creation, for his children, and it's always going to be designed to bring benefit to their lives because he created us to have great lives. He didn't create us to have bad lives. He didn't create us to have have a difficult life. So the human race, really, to glorify God, the human race can see God as he is, and then they can benefit from him because they see him as he is. Now, I want you to understand something. Until a person believes for himself or for herself, uh, then whatever it is God is promising it brings no benefit at all to their life because, because everything that God promises us uh, has one uh, way that we can participate in it, and that is by faith, that is by trusting Him. So, you know, you know we talked about the first starting intention and motive of God, and, and I, think, I, think, I think really we, we kind of covered that. So you start saying, well, what, well, wait a minute, but we started out with this question about what 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 is the goal of God's love? Well, the goal of God's love is going to be for the benefit of mankind. So, if it's going to be for the benefit of mankind, then what does that mean? Well, it, it's got it's got to it, it can't make mankind selfish. You know, the uh, the Hebrew language warns against doing things that we would call creating codependency among people. Uh, God doesn't want you codependent. God doesn't want you being a victim. God doesn't want you being lazy and irresponsible. Man, you listen, go read the Proverbs every day. Meditate on, on a chapter in Proverbs every day for about the next 10 years. I'm telling you, it would change your whole world because personal responsibility and accountability is one of, one of the key factors anytime the Bible starts talking about the wisdom of God. And so, and so all through the Proverbs, 
It's teaching us to take responsibility. It's teaching us to be wise, to put the truth into application, not be irresponsible, you know, with, with the word of God. Now, so then we have to ask ourselves this. Does the message that I believe, that I'm hearing, and the message that I believe about the word of God, or maybe the message that I'm preaching and sharing with people about the word of God, is this going to uh, move them toward personal faith, uh, personal trust for God? Or is it going to be something that's kind of uh, maybe a little spooky, you know, a little bit, a little bit more like, well, okay, God loves me. And since God loves me, I don't have to believe, I don't have to do anything. It's just going to make my life work the way that I, that I want it to work. Well, that's kind of what you start hearing when you hear most messages about the love of God. God loves you, so that should fix everything. God loves you, so you should never have any fear. God loves you, so you don't really have to worry about anything. God loves you, so you're going to have faith. Well, that's sort of true. That's kind of a half truth. But the real truth is none of that comes to fruition until you believe it for yourself and until you commit your life to it so that this love can be perfected in your heart. So when you think about the, the three main letters of the word truth, which are Aleph, Mem, Tav, and we already talked about the Aleph, we have to say, does this message that I'm hearing about love, does it really connect me to God? Is it, does it make me accept responsibility for my life in a really positive, in a really healthy way? And if I believe this message that I'm hearing about love, will it uh, establish heaven on earth? Will I, will I begin to have a better quality of life? Will I begin to experience the kingdom of heaven? Will my heart be overflowing with righteousness, peace, and joy? Or am, is my heart going to start to overflow with with, co with a codependent mindset? Am I going to start overflowing with, well, you know, I just, it doesn't really matter how I live. God loves me, and that's really all that matters. Well, you got to answer these questions to figure out if you are really in truth. You know, the second letter of, of the word truth is the mem, and the mem has to do with a message from God where God is showing you how to apply the truth. And so the next thing I have to ask is this. So this message that I am believing about the love of God, is it inspiring me to open my heart to hear and obey Whatever God is showing me that I need to hear and obey. Am I ready to put something into practice? Am I ready to walk this out? Because remember, faith without works is dead. Dead faith don't get you anything. It, it, it doesn't connect you to God. It doesn't make you one with God. It doesn't bring heaven here on earth. It actually makes your life more and more of a mess. And then in the end, uh, the last letter of truth gets into and to what kind of fruit does this bear? What is the outcome of, of doing this? So if I just decide that God loves me and how I live, how I treat him, how I treat other people really doesn't matter, then am I, is it going to produce the fruit in my life that God promises that's going to fruit? That's going to produce. Now listen, we got to do this with everything we believe. We should put everything to the acid test of whether or not what we believe is truth and uh, this is one of the great ways to figure out pretty quickly whether or not what I'm believing about something, even though it's in the Bible, that doesn't mean what I'm believing about it or even what I'm hearing about it is necessarily um, the truth. So 
I got to put everything. I've got to put everything to the test. I've got to put everything to 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 see is this really going to bear fruit in my life. Now, this is really interesting when you start realizing that in First John chapter four, it, it, we we see in verse twelve it says, "No one has seen God at any time." Now, when you see that passage uh, or that phrase in the scripture anywhere, is man is getting ready to reveal something to you about how people can see God. Now, you have to understand, your relatives that don't know God, they can't perceive God. They can't understand God. Their heart is not alive to God. And so even if they read the Bible, unless they open up their heart, unless they call out to God for, for help and understanding, then, then the real truth is they are really still not going to be able to read the Bible and see and perceive who God is. And so, really, the Apostle John uh, goes into this more than any of, of the other writers of the, of the New Testament. And so, he goes into this thing about showing us that the world can only see God to the degree that they, that they see him in us. So, that's, that's really, uh, that's kind of a pretty scary thought. Well, you know, Jesus was teaching, and he he talked about how that he is the light of the world. But then he tells us that we are the light of the world. He said, nobody lights light, puts it under a basket, set it, set it on a table, and it lights up the whole room. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, he was the light of the world in that the way he treated people, the way he demonstrated God, the way he did everything that he did was like a lighting a light and saying, look, now you have the light that you need to be able to see and perceive who God really is, to be able to understand the truth about who God really is. Now, when Jesus was crucified and poured out the Holy Spirit on us, the believers, uh, then we have the same spirit that he had. We have the same role as he had. And he says, now you are the light of the world. So now it falls to us that uh, we yield to the Holy Spirit. We walk in the Spirit, we, and we show God to the world uh, by following the teachings and the lifestyle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so there, is this, there is this thing where, where God wants us to be uh, the light that actually always shows the world who God really is, because they can't see who God really is without our help. And one of the reasons, and by the way, I'm not talking about by us going and explaining everything to them. I'm not talking about answering all the questions. You know, the man that made the greatest influence on my entire life was my uncle Bobby Good. And my uncle Bobby never one time talked to me about Jesus. Never, ever, ever, not one time. But I'm going to tell you something. The the life that he lived as a child was the life that I looked at and said, I want to be like him. I want to be the calm one in the room when everybody is losing their mind. I want to be the one that's always going to be fair. It's always going to be honest. I want to be the one that's not going to be, you know, having a temper tantrum all the time when I don't get my way. And so he inspired me to want to be someone that I couldn't be without Jesus. And so at some point in time, no matter how bad I wanted to be like him, I couldn't be like him. And when I found out the truth about what it meant to give your life to Jesus, 
I realized this was the only way I could be like my Uncle Bobby. And then eventually I came to realize, oh, and this is the only way I can ever be like Jesus because I changed. I didn't want to just be like my Uncle Bobby. I wanted to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so let's, let's, uh, let's look at something right here. I think this is so incredibly important. By the way, let me mention, if you want to get this audio series, man, you can download it now. I've got six great messages uh, in here for you. It's going to be about six hours of uh, of very in-depth tra training, and we'll talk more about application that you can do. Uh, for those of you who are serious about making this journey, about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, uh, every, and remember, every time you do this, number one, you invest in yourself. You And this, you know, people who order the audio series, they're generally saying, man, I'm getting so much out of what you're giving us for free online, but I want to go deeper. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to take, I'm ready to dive in, take the next step. Secondly, when you purchase the audio series, you actually uh, help finance us uh, producing materials, writing books, creating audio video series, doing Zoom seminars with groups all over the country and all over the world. And, uh, and so you're, you're making an investment in the body of Christ. But number three, you're making an investment in reaching the world because this is where we get most of our finances to go into the ends of there. So you so you're so you're investing yourself, you're investing in the body of Christ, and you're investing in the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So be sure and download tonight and man, dive into this. And I have a lot of great series about the love of God and and knowing and believing the love of God, all all those kinds of things. Uh all right. So Let's look at this just for a minute. So now let's go back to this thing. God wants to be glorified. Now, does he want to be glorified because he's got some kind of an ego need? Does he want to be glorified because he's insecure? No. He has a very specific reason for wanting to be glorified. You know, the word glorified really pretty much means to be seen or to see something or to see something clearly. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about this, is that Jesus came to be the light. He is the light. And so as the light, he makes it where we can clearly see God who he is. And so people who believe that Jesus is the exact representation of God for the first time will ever really be able to clearly understand who God is what they can expect of God. They start understanding that God is good. He is not against them. He's not a legalist. He's not hurting them. He's not doing bad things into their life. He's not testing them and trying them, all those kinds of things that people think that God does and people accuse God of doing. And so uh, uh, when we live like Jesus lived, then we become the light of the world and people look at us and they say, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, why are you, why, why do you talk about God the way you do? That's not what my pastor said. Well, you don't put down the pastor. You say, well, you know, uh, I talk about God because this is the way Jesus taught, because Jesus showed us who God really was. So then we get to Jesus, to actually, through Jesus, cause people to see God as he, as he really, really is. Now, what happens, that is when God's glorified. God's not glorified because we go, oh, 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 you did so good, God. Yay, God, you did good, you did good. No, we, God's glorified because we get to see who he is when we see the, the deeds and the words and all that Jesus did 
to shine light onto who God is. So if we are not the light, then whatever we're showing the world is either going to confuse them about God or it's going to open their eyes about God. But listen to this. This is 1 John 4, 12. He says, no one has seen God at any time. So there we are. Oh, well, wait a minute. Nobody's seen God any time. So what's the deal? What do we do about that? It says, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected. And so, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, this takes us back to the fact that, that the apostle John didn't say that love casts out fear. He said, perfect love casts out fear. He didn't, he didn't just say that we needed to know about the love of God. He said, we need to know and believe the perfect love of God. And so when you just add this one word or take this one word out, and it's the word perfect, then you either become the light that causes people to see something here, or you become the darkness that causes people to go into deception, and you never really tell them the truth about who God is. So we really don't show God to anybody until his love is perfected in us. How do we know when his love is perfected in us? Well, his love is perfected in us when we have love one for another. When we treat one another the way Jesus himself treated us. So that means then that I'm not really, the love of God is not really going to help me overcome fear until it's been perfected in me. And it's perfected in me when I love other people. And we'll learn something about the giving and the receiving of love. And it's not legalism. It's not law. It's not works. But I'm telling you, the love of God does not do anything beneficial in our lives until we believe it and receive it and allow it to be perfected and reach the goal of truth. It starts by uniting us with God. It starts by bringing a benefit to us uh, through heaven on, on earth. It moves into us following God, how God's leading us to put this into practice in our life. And it is consummated by the fruit that grows in our life. And the fruit is that we love one another just as God has loved us. Listen, be sure and check out our website, drjimrichards.com or impactministries.com. If you want to help us raise up 1 billion disciples around the world, uh, become a world changer with us. And I'm telling you what, you will you will be a part of something that really is changing the way the world sees God. And listen, share this message with people. There, there are a lot of people that are trying to figure out, well, wait a minute, I know that God loves me, but this still isn't working. Well, that's because they think that God loving them is actually going to produce fruit in their life. No, it's when love is perfected that this is going to produce what God wants to do in our life. You know something? This is not legalism. This is not works. And this is not even saying that the people who leave these parts out are bad people or they're trying to do anything wrong. They're not trying to do anything wrong. Sometimes, because people have been raised in such a legalism, such negativity about God, sometimes people overemphasize certain aspects of a message to the point that it actually changes the message. So when we're teaching about the love of God and what the love of God is going to bring into our lives to such a degree that we do not properly emphasize the fact that that love has to be perfected in our own lives. Now remember, perfected means it reaches the goal. Well, what is the goal? It causes us to love one another. Why is that a good goal? Because then 
God gets glorified because people look at us and say, oh, well, wait a minute. I thought Christians were mean, self-righteous, religious people who hated everybody. And now I see, no, these are people who love God, love people, and always want to help people. Listen, be sure and share this with every friend that you got. And uh, I will be back next week. And we'll be talking about this some more. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.